Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. everybody it's weird islanders the podcast back once again my name is dan that is mike uh how are you doing tonight mike i'm pretty good excited um for our our guest and uh this this player and and the year we're gonna touch on which is i don't know i i have conflicted feelings about this season yeah uh because of how where it was played first of all and also who was on the team and how that player left. And it's just, it's funny how it, it was an amazing ride at the time. And now I look back on it and I think about this current team and the stuff that they did in 2020 and 2021. And, you know, I really have to wrestle with why I I find this group so much more endearing than this season we'll talk about now um despite this season the 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 year we're going to talk about being incredibly important in in this kind of whole adventure so um and and this player this this weird islander had <laughs> perhaps the most important goal of them all in that yeah. playoff run <laughs> yeah uh I, well, i'll get to it but th- this i always think about our, our flagship podcast islanders anxiety when i think of this season because this was a wild ride. And yeah, that was almost like an appetizer for what was to come. But uh, we'll talk about that season. And we'll talk about one particular player uh, who, again, played an important role in it with our special guest. He is a returning guest. He is one of the minds behind the Isles Fix newsletter. He is the host of the Eyes on Isles podcast. And he is now an in-demand children's book author. And he <laughs> is our friend, Joe Bono. Joe, what's going on? What's up, fellas? Uh, thank you so much. I, I have uh, quite a few titles all of a sudden. Yeah, <laughs> weird a business card. I think the, yeah. the way Dublowitz, the way Dublowitz Weird Islander episode sprung you, <laughs> sprung you to new heights. Everybody, yes, everybody yes. wanted a piece. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. we 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 got to talk about the book uh, Islanders A to Z, which is everywhere now. It's uh, it's being advertised by the team itself. Uh, everybody that's worked with the team uh, has been talking about it. I have a copy. Mike has a copy. It's absolutely fantastic. My, my daughter is is going to be 13 in a month. Mike's daughter is just turning one, right? And she's, uh, she just turned one. 
She just turned one. So he's got the current usage of it. I remember books like this. I still love it. So tell us, like, um, why why this? Like, why a children's book about the Islanders? So going back almost a decade now, I had the itch to write a children's book, sports. And it's, a, it's another concept that I haven't been able to execute on. And it kind of just has sit on Microsoft Word uh, documents on a laptop that I need to fire up um, <laughs> for it to work. Um, and then when I had my daughter in 2018, I started thinking about it again. I had a lot of children's books around you. And specifically, there was one. It's called A to Jay-Z. I'm not sure if either of you own a copy of A to Jay-Z, <laughs> but it was a historical look back at rap artists and R&B artists. And they had these little cute little rhymes about Eazy-E and Julio and Dr. Dre and Eminem. I thought, that's really fun and cool. And hmm. I said, maybe I can execute that with the Islanders. And um, first off, I needed an illustrator. And I knew Joe Morasic and I knew his work online for Twitter. And I reached out to him and he had the same kind of um, thinking that he always wanted to do something like this. So to be able to find someone who's not only immensely talented, but also was an Islander fan and had a passion for the subject and his own reason to do it. Hmm was a great match. And we started, you know, thinking about who the letters would be and then eventually had to uh, ask permission with the mm. Islanders to make sure this was all okay. <laughs> <laughs> because originally we had a picture of John Spano. So you imagine kind of we were going more tongue in cheek, uh, right. you know, with the, with it. And uh, it ended up, I think, a lot better off the way it, the way it came yeah. out. <laughs> that, that's the unauthorized version has uh, yeah. John Spano <laughs> yes, in yes. it. Uh, but so what was that process like of like talking to the Islanders and getting them their approval because uh yeah you are i mean you're using like not only licensed you know properties the logo and all that kind of stuff but like these are real people that are in this book and and the, the illustrations by joe are fantastic like you know al arbor and bob nystrom and and there's my favorite one is the darius casparitis mike right, gartner yeah. sort of like looking at each other picture it's it's a perfect recreation of that but like what was that process like of working with the team i mean uh was it easy or was it a lot easier than you thought it was going to be or was it a lot of red tape and stuff so funny enough, the person that I got recommended to talk to was Nick Pizzitello, who's the executive vice president of New York Hockey Holdings on the business side. And actually, sign guy, Patrick Dowd, was the one who recommended I talk to Nick. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> we had already started with some ideas, and uh, we were going to maybe draw some fans. And I had talked to him about it. He goes, you should talk to Nick. And I'm like, who's Nick? And he goes, Nick, Nick Pizzitello. So I found him on LinkedIn, messaged wow. him on LinkedIn, and he got back to me. Um, and, uh, we had a phone conversation and he set up a call with some members of, um, community relations and Rena being one of them. And then he called me back a few other, a couple of days later and said, we're gonna do it. We're going to give you intellectual property. Uh, but we mm. get final sign off on what goes in and, uh, we want to make sure a portion of the proceeds benefits the Islanders Children's Foundation, which were, of course, uh, yeah. let's do this. So, you know, the, that was 2018, 2019. Now the book didn't come out until here in 2023. That's not all because of the Islanders in that process. We had COVID. That wasn't going to be a year we were going to do it. We weren't going to do it during the shortened season. Things got kind of even out of whack the first year of UBS Arena. Uh, but for it to line up with the 50th anniversary season, I'm just thrilled the way it worked out um, yeah. at the end. And a lot of changes happened in between because things like Butch Goring and John Tonelli getting their numbers retired did not happen when we first started writing it. Them actually moving to UBS Arena had not happened. It hadn't reached the conference finals yet. So like I look back now at what I had originally written in 2018 and 2019, and a lot of it is gone because so much happened within that three-year period. I mean, Barry Trotz yeah. was in the book himself as X's and O's. And we had to make that change on the fly and went with the generic um, kind of hockey uh, whiteboard and, and you know mm. told a story about some of the history of some of the coaches. But... Yeah, it went through a lot of changes to the point it got released. That's funny. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, you, you well, you, first of all, you, you, so you talk about Butch and him and uh, Brendan and Jiggs and Stan Fischler, uh, as a close friend of uh, both Mike and I. Uh, they're all part of the book. They they do the yeah. missions and, and the pregame and the postgame. And, uh, like, the, I mean, once the team was on board, I'm assuming they were, they were pretty easy to get to. But, like, h how cool was that? Like, just being talking to, like, Jigs McDonald. They actually came first. I wow. had I had that done first before I went to the team. Um, so I reached out to Brendan mm. as as the first person because he was just in a similar part of his life where I felt like he got the concept of trying yeah. to connect with your kids through sports and teaching them the history of the teams you love. That was kind of my 
my mm. thesis, if you will. And he said yes. And then I said, okay, well, what about a pregame instead of a prologue? And then could we get someone to do the postgame? Why not Jigs? And I had had Jigs on, mm. a, on a, a podcast a few times. So I had his phone number and uh, reached out to him. And he said yes. Stan, you guys know Stan. Emailed him. He got mm. right back to me. Told him yeah. the concept over email. Sure. How many words? <laughs> you tell him how many words. And then a few hours later, it's in my inbox. It's done. <laughs> Um, right. And I've been emailing back and forth with him because we had a tough time getting that book to Israel. It finally made it after about three <laughs> weeks. We finally <laughs> got it today that we're recording here. And then Chris King was the final mm. one to do. It was a really important one because it allowed us to get uh, Butch Goring in there. And Butch went from, mm. where are we going to find him? He can't be B. He's not going to be Bossy. He's not going to be G. It's going to go to Gillies. Where do we find Butch? And then he ended up having a lot of words written about him uh, by Chris King. So. Uh, it all worked out. <laughs> the whole thing is is absolutely fantastic. And uh, we're going to talk a lot about it towards the end of the show too. But uh, let everybody know where they can buy it right now. So while they're listening to us, uh, they can go order a copy because it is really fantastic. Listen, even if you don't have kids, buy the book. <laughs> like buy it for somebody you know that has kids. Buy it for your own shelf because it's a, a, the artwork is fantastic. It covers amazingly just a handful of pages. It covers really the entire history of the franchise. And it's just a great little history book to have, uh, whether you have kids or not. So where can everybody buy it so they can uh, go, go look for it? Yeah. Ride? I appreciate you saying that because it, people think, all right, it's a kid's book. It's a baby book. And it's really not that you have the images. Mm -hmm. Yes. That would appeal to kids, but the actual writing will teach you a lot about the history of the team that either you're going to yes. get a kick of because you love the, love the Islanders or you actually will learn some things. And I think for that nine, 10, 11, 12 year old, that we all remember being when we're just about on the cusp of becoming a, like a crazy diehard fan. Like this is a book that you will like read and devour and all of a sudden kind of complete the picture for the franchise. But you can go to store.bookbaby.com, store.bookbaby.com and search for New York Islanders A to Z or visit us at Isles Fix on Twitter and uh, you'll find uh, the link at our bio. We will repeat that uh, at the end too, but yeah, definitely do it. it it's great. And again, I, I, a portion goes to the Islanders Children's Foundation. So you, it's a win-win win for everybody. Uh, but we are here to talk about a guy who, funnily enough, is not in the book. And you can explain why. Uh, he is a weird Islander. He is one that I think people will remember because he was not that long ago that he was playing for the Islanders. And he is in fact still playing as of today, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So Joe Bono, will you please reveal the subject of tonight's episode of Weird Islanders, the podcast. It's Bridgeport call-up turned playoff hero, Alan Quina. Quina. Uh, Quina. <laughs> the Quina. Um, <laughs> playoff hero is the way to, is the right, correct yeah. term. But this man did not have the normal kind of timeline for most playoff heroes, particular Islanders, particularly Islanders playoff heroes. He had a weird way to get to the Islanders. He had a very weird time with the Islanders, and then he had eh, kind of a normal exit with the Islanders, <laughs> especially for this time. But um, so why don't you tell us, first of all, like, how did Alan Quine first? He was in the book, and then unfortunately, he got cut. He ended up on the cutting room floor, much like Kevin Costner in The Big Chill. This happens a lot to stars <laughs> like Alan Quine. Um, but uh, yeah, so he's not in the book, but he almost was, right? He really was. I mean, when you go through the Islanders database and look up Q, um, there are yeah. not many options. And I thought Alan Quine was a great way to weave in the 2015-16 season and that team. And um, I have these little rhymes underneath each picture that I'm quite proud of. And the one for him, I, look, I went back and found his was in the 2016 playoffs, he would thrive scoring the double OT winner in game five. Right. And that was mm -hmm. Alan Quine. Um, but as the book kind of came together, he kind of just stood stood out. I mean, the fact mm. that it was Nystrom and Gillies and Potvin and all these heroes <laughs> and all-stars and, and Alan Quine, it just didn't feel right. And then when the Islanders made the Islanders Hall of Fame such a bigger deal at UBS Arena, it really gave me pause. I said, I should have everyone that has a plaque needs to be in this mm. book. Yeah. And uh, we had to rework some things to make sure we got Patrick Flatley in. And then we ended up moving Q to Quick. And, and wrote something really nice about Bob Bourne. So again, I'm really happy the way it came out. But Joe, uh, Joe Morassic, the illustrator, had drawn Alan Quine during that <laughs> playoff run. So we already had the image. So I was trying to, uh, trying to save him some work as well. But it, it, there's more to it than just that one big goal we're going to talk about. There, there were yeah, other definitely. a few really big things that he did um, as well during that, that, that period. Yeah. 
if you if you send him a, that picture, I guarantee that'll that'll make his life. If you send <laughs> out line that that picture that that Joe drew of him. But so let's start with how he ended up on the Islanders because, as Mike mentioned before, he he was drafted by Detroit um, and was not signed. Apparently, they didn't even make an attempt to sign the man uh, who would go on to be a playoff hero for the Islanders. They just let him kind of go. Uh, he was in drafted a third, in the round third, third round. Extreme yeah, third round. He gets on. He goes unsigned. He gets redrafted by the Islanders in the sixth round, uh, two years later in 2013. And uh, what I found funny, just as a quick aside, was um, the Islanders had a draft pick kind of around the same time named Robbie Russo, who was a defenseman. I had kind of high hopes for him. Uh, he was not signed by the Islanders, and he ended up signing <laughs> as a free agent with Detroit, or he got redrafted by Detroit, I believe. Uh, and so I've always kind of seen this as sort of like the Robbie Russo, Alan Quine trade. Um, it does. I don't know if I, I'm the only person who might think that way. I'm probably the Robbie Russo was kind of knocking around too. You end up in St. Louis, I think, for a while or whatever. But uh, this was always kind of a weird. Like this doesn't really happen to the Islanders. Like they don't sort of redraft guys that were let go. Maybe they end up as a free agent. But he was drafted by the Islanders in the sixth round, 2013, and he ended up playing a lot for Bridgeport. He would play 196 games for Bridgeport over his AHL career: 51 goals, 86 assists. Um what was like your kind of impression of Quine during this time sort of before he came up? Was he like a, a prospect you had your eye on? Was he kind of a forgotten man a little bit? Like, I don't remember thinking much of him during this period until he came up, but I mean, was he somebody that you kind of had your eye on? I mean, you were noticing the goal production, right? You would go and look at and hmm. follow what was happening with Bridgeport and he had 20 plus goals and, you know, had a 60 point season in 2014, 15, and then hmm. was kind of following up, following that up with a similar starts, a similar type of season. And then certainly the Islanders were having some injury problems towards the mm. end of the year, but I don't think he was really a talk about ever making the team in camp at any mm. point. It wasn't like everyone on Isles Twitter was saying, when are you going to bring up <laughs> Quine? You know, like that right, yeah. wasn't happening. It's like, now it's like do four and you know, <laughs> Iskakov and we want to see him now. And, and that never happened with this guy. Um, mm. So you, but you noticed the production in there, but you always thought maybe, unfairly that he was just probably a, you know, a four, a type player somewhere between right. AHL and NHL, which he ends up being and <laughs> of his career. Yeah. But not <laughs> at that point, that's what the assumption was. That, that 2013 draft actually ends up being interesting for the Islanders on, on a couple levels now too, because it's uh you know, Bo Horvat, <laughs> Ryan Pollock, like these, then, and of course, Alan Quine. Um, but I, I think, when when they redrafted someone, mm. I think this was kind of getting to the point uh, I was talking to you guys about was it's one of those things like when kind of like when they drafted Sebastian Ajo, he mm. he was older. I think he was like yeah like twenty or something. He was one of the older players in the draft. Yeah, and when when that. they yeah. when a team makes like a does that or like kind of steps out of line a little bit on a, on a on a pick, and then your your antenna just goes up a little bit, and and they kind of just become. They kind of just land on your radar a little, like for a while. I, there was another guy around this time, Brandon Kitch, Kitchton. Okay. I remember he had like a, a kind of like a contract thing with the Islanders too. Right. Um, yeah, you end up going to Winnipeg. Right. Right. Yeah. And these guys, like you, none of them ever turn into anything. Like <laughs> I mean, Sebastian Ajo, maybe he's proven us wrong, but <laughs> but uh, like you're, they kind of just become names that you talk about because their draft the way they were drafted was so peculiar for for what we're doing now mm. when everything is just oh you you drafted a guy who was born in in April like don't, you, <laughs> that that knocks down his percentage of becoming an NHL or by like 6%. <laughs> so so when you when you do something like this you right away you're like okay and then and then like you said he was a third round pick by mm. the Red Wings. So what was he really? Was he a third round pick or was he a six round pick? Because because <laughs> I'm assuming that uh, when when a team doesn't sign someone and he re-enters the draft at an era that it's kind of rare for this to happen, uh, he's just going to get passed on mm. b- because of that. And right. I think it's pretty fair to say that Alan Quine is was a six round pick. Mm. <laughs> the way <laughs> his career panned out, but a good six round pick mm. um, who. I also had like a funny, I, 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 there weren't many, I don't think, prospects at the time in the system. And so like when Quine was kind of the 
uh, I don't know how to say it, like who who it would be now, but like the guy that they kind of just always tap or it felt mm. like they were always just going to go to Quine when they needed a body. Mm. I think that the Islander fans were like, eh, you know, how much more do I need to see of Alan Quine or, or Bracken Kearns to know that like, they're not, they're probably not the answer that we need. They're not, they're not going to be the, the answer to the, the existential forever question of who's going to play on the wing with uh, well, that, that guy was Jesse Yowensu was always yeah. that guy for me. Like, I don't need to see any more Jesse Yowensu. I know what Jesse Yowensu is. And that guy now is Otto Koivula. Like we've seen enough of Otto <laughs> to know, no offense to Otto, but we've seen enough of Otto to know. No offense to Otto, but he will be a, a subject on the show <laughs> almost guaranteed. And there was somebody um, in, in Anaheim for that Anaheim Ducks game who was wearing an Otto Koivula Bridgeport Islanders jersey in wow. Anaheim. Wow. Uh, just spectacular. That's crazy. That's crazy. You know, you know, the guy that Islanders picked in the next round of that draft is still playing in the NHL. Yeah, it's Burroughs, right? Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh yeah. Is he Look still in just... Vegas or is he with Vancouver now? Vancouver. I think he's in Vancouver. Yeah. In Vancouver. Yeah. Oh wow! I had no idea. I didn't know. I didn't know that the uh, 2013 draft was such a rich one for the Islanders, even though it took <laughs> Bro Horvat <laughs> ten years to get here. <laughs> um, yeah. So so Quine again spends most of the 2015-16 with Bridgeport, but then he gets called up for two games in the regular season, and this is like we, we started talking about this a little bit off the top, like. When I think of this season, this 2015-16 season, I remember an absolute roller coaster. Like they just this was a season where the Islanders were the, you know, the opposite of the analytics darling. They were the analytics, I don't know, nightmare or whatever. Like they 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 just they gave up a million shots. They got by on spectacular goaltending from Thomas Grice, who I think that might have been his first year, right? Who was signed um as the backup. And uh they didn't score a lot. They always looked kind of lost on D and, uh, but somehow managed to gather 101 points or hundred points. Like it was crazy, which was, you know, they had 101 points this season before um, and they were going to the playoffs. So, I mean, Joe, what was like your, your takeaway from that season, you know, in which Alan Quine played the, you know, two of the last, whatever uh, regular season games. Like I just remember that season giving me a lot of agita. Like I just so- didn't like it at all. Different type of agita that I remember. So I actually remember exactly where I was when Alan Quine made his debut. I was at my wife's good friend who was actually our maid of honor's house. Um, mm-hmm. And I was asking, you know, they had a young kid. We didn't have kids yet. And I'm like, you know, not really into hanging out with young kids at this point. Hey, Islanders are playing the Sabres. Can we have, can we put that on, you know, while this is going on in the background? And the reason why it was a big deal, if you remember is that the Islanders wanted to be the seventh seed. They did not want to be yeah. third in the Metro and end right. up having to play the Penguins, who ended up winning the Stanley Cup that year. So they brought up mm. Alan Quine, and you mentioned Bracken Kearns, and they combined for a goal. And mm. Quine scores his first goal in the NHL. Second power play for the Sabres, but now Omar down the pass in front, tipped in! And it's Alan Quine on a shorthanded goal for his first goal in the National Hockey League. And he puts pressure under Olmark and he has control. Little chip in front, and that one just goes off the knee, and you're allowed to do that. Scott Mayfield actually scored his first NHL goal in the same game as well. Hmm. And they lose in overtime to Buffalo. But then that sets up a situation where the Rangers, I think, play the ninth. April 9th. And then the Islanders are going to play the last game of the season against the Flyers. And the Islanders actually trailed the Rangers by one point going into the final game. And I think Capuano sat 12 regulars in mm-hmm. that game to not to win. And they go out to a two nothing lead right away. Mm-hmm. Nikolai Kuhlman and then I think mm-hmm. Matt Martin, Matt Martin score. And I remember just why it's very strange watching that being like, we don't want to be ahead of the Rangers. Like we really wanted the Panthers. Right. Right. Rightly or wrongly. Um, and then they ended up actually giving up five straight goals to to Philadelphia, who also ended up being in the playoffs on the eighth seed. So that's kind of my remembrance of him coming up of those are games that you did not want the Islanders to win. And I remember that mm. first goal being something I was not happy about. <laughs> uh, that and and you know you mentioned Bracken. Now mentioned him twice. Bracken Kearns and and uh, this this roster ends up reading 
very funny for a team that got 100 points. You just don't mm-hmm. understand how. Right. Uh, it's Dan, Dan was great saying coaching. It was, it, it was yeah, great coaching. <laughs> four, 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 goal, four goalies played, and Dan yeah, Grice was just outrageously good. Grice had a 925 that season, mm-hmm. uh, and Halak was not far behind at 919. But what what's crazy about this season, and I'll go into why it like it, it's like a complicated one. It's pretty obvious, but um, there are ten players from 2015-16 roster that are still on this team, <laughs> or in Matt Martin's case, wow. left and not, and you know, or, right. you know, and and then there's two others who you can kind of say are in the orbit, which is Boychuk and Hickey. Mm. So. That's I show me another team in the NHL that has ten players mm. still on the roster from twenty fifteen sixteen. That's that's eight years ago. I I I would be shocked if we could find one. And maybe I'm <laughs> maybe I'm wrong, but ten, and 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 we're not just like these are ten important players: Nelson, right. Lee Bailey, Kazikis, Mayfield, Pollock, and Pellick. Like mm. this is. Bizarre, I mean, Russ. Of course, uh, Russ Johnston made his debut that season. <laughs> <laughs> the most important of all, I, I would say probably just off the top of my head, probably the Lightning. That's probably the only other team that probably has almost as many because you got to figure Stamkos and Point and Kucherov. Right, but but even they might not even have ten. Like I don't even know. <laughs> it's nuts. That's crazy. Well, um, and and the, here's the big difference between these two teams: is one is Tampa Bay Lightning, who won. right. Two Stanley Cups with Ted. What to do another one with those with those guys? And the other one, yeah, New so York Islanders. Who these guys have probably finished at every standing place except for first. Like you can imagine, <laughs> I don't, it's so funny. It is crazy. It's insane. So they go to the playoffs again. It's a hundred point team, and they get the matchup that they want with the Florida Panthers, who at this point have this is like their what fourth or fifth playoff appearance all time as a franchise. They haven't won around since 1996 of course the islanders can't really make fun of them because they haven't won around since 1993 so somebody is getting off of a very very long schneid here and uh the islanders take game one game one five four mm. alan Quine, the assist the primary assist on the game winning goal to ryan Strom. oh okay so he's already starting to make his impact. Remember, he doesn't yes. think he's going to be playing on the playoff roster. He thinks he's done after two games with a cameo. <laughs> and he gets told by, by Fred Thompson, who's still the head coach of Bridgeport, <laughs> with all those players still being there that you mentioned, uh, that he's going up because the Islanders had all these injuries. That Andrews Lee had broken his leg and um, Grabowski right. was out. And uh, they were looking for mm. a little bit of uh, offensive firepower, I guess. And Alan Quinn got the call. I forgot this was the year that... that- yeah, Lee broke his leg thanks yeah, to Boychuk. Boy Chuck. Boy Chuck shot. <laughs> slap shot. Right. Yeah. And so they gave, they lose game two. Uh, game three is the Thomas Hickey overtime game winner. They lose the game four to the Panthers. And here we are, game five in Florida and Sunrise. And this might be the most insane double overtime game in the history of the NHL that nobody talks about. Like this, <laughs> this game had everything. I, I don't even, I, I went back and watched it. Yeah, okay, fine. We remember this goal that we're going to talk about. But like, I completely forgot how much insanity went happened in just the overtime periods. Like, how many times do you see that many penalties called in overtime? Let alone a penalty shot. Let alone mm-hmm. a stopped penalty shot. <laughs> it's it was crazy. And it's a penalty um, shot with essentially like their best pl- one of their best players. Yeah, you know, it's not like the third line. It's 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 Barkov right. with the game on a stick, one on one with Grice to win it. He didn't stand uh-huh. a chance against Grace that season. <laughs> Particularly. I remember, then, Rick, I remember also vividly, just before we go on, like Rick no. DiPietro was a big part of the broadcast at that point. And I remember like, yes, he, he, was. he ate off, he ate off like the top of a, like a rat, like one of the rubber rats for the Panthers. Mm. And I was like, you know, he was just doing these like very sticky type of um, cartoon character type of uh, co-host <laughs> type of things. And I yeah. remember him just being all fired up and ripping off the, the head of a, of a rat before the game. <laughs> he he was we- always wearing crazy suits. Too. Yes, and I remember. I just remember thinking, "What Rick? Like, we we get why you're like this, and and like you're committed to the <laughs> bit, but we don't need it. Like our 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 broadcast over already like over indexes on this kind of shtick. <laughs> uh, we don't need another one. Uh, and by the way, it's five. There are five lightning left from that season on the team. Wow, doubling them it's up nuts. and then some. Yeah, so That's crazy. Uh, yeah, just totally bizarre. How many? It's 
another thing that nobody talks about with this team is like yeah. just but um yeah that season and series this is kind of what i was getting at like you wanted to get so excited about the fact that the team was staying um in new york and on the the landmass that's known as long island <laughs> but like the it was pretty clear halfway on halfway through that season like that that barclays just wasn't going to be the same and then the playoff run like kind of helped that and so i kind of got over it but then I don't know about you guys, but a couple years later with, with what happened with Tavares, like I've, I still have a tough time watching these highlights. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if yeah, that's just me. Cause yeah, I know a lot of people count that, that it's not just the goal. It's, you know, in yeah. game six, the whole series. I mean, that was a, that was a, like John Tavares is the best athlete in New York afterwards type, type series. Right. Like the type of articles were, were being written. Yeah, that series was won by basically two players on our team. It was the goalie and <laughs> goalie and Tavares, and and that's kind of why. And and I guess Alan Quine, but uh, that's why <laughs> I, have, I have such a tough time. I really, I, and I don't know if that makes me, uh, you know, we've already well established on this show and Islanders anxiety that I am a loser. But like, does that even make me more of a loser that I can't even find the joy to to watch this these no, highlights? I feel, it, I feel the same way. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. That goes running to various highlights. Like I just feel, uh, it's, yeah. I just, I don't know. At this point, I, I think it's safe to say I'm, I'm committed to hating this man for the rest of my life. So <laughs> I'm just never. The moment he left, that that kind of wiped away a, a much and, of the joy. And, of it, that and goal. it wiped away moments like this, like like yeah. Alan Quine. Yeah, like it changes how I feel about Alan Quine. <laughs> if you want to look back at the 2015-16 playoffs, uh, you know, the highlight in Game Five was the one you watch. Because there's no one on the yeah. ice that you have to feel conflicted about. <laughs> I guess we'll talk about right, that yeah. too. When that goal is scored, so, right? So let's get. So let's talk about the goal. So they're in double overtime, and Derek McKenzie takes a penalty. This was not going to sit well with Panther. Then Panthers coach Gerard Gallant, who we'll talk about again in, in a second. But this sets up an Islanders power play with I don't know about five minutes or so to go in the second overtime. Now again, this is a rare occurrence. Most most NHL overtime games, you have to literally try and murder somebody. In order to get a penalty. And I don't remember Derek McKenzie trying to literally murder somebody. I forget. I think it might have been slashing or something like that. Um, that's what it was. It was a slashing penalty, broke somebody's stick, and like the ref has to call it. And that sets up what has to be the unlikeliest. I know Ken Morrow had a, a goal in overtime, and I'm sure there are other David Volek obviously is one too, but like this is easily one of the most unexpected overtime goals in Islanders history. And it's Marek Zidlitschke. It's Hickey. It's, <laughs> it's Quine from Zidlitschke and Hickey. And uh, like to steal a phrase from Butch Goring, Quine makes no mistake on this. Like he just tees up, he gets a one-timer and he just nails it. Now Zidlitschke waits at the blue line, plays it across to Hickey. Back to Zidlitschke, thought about a shot. Now Quine fires, he scores! Alan Quine! has answered one of the four questions. The Islanders now will look for a fourth win on Sunday and a series winner. But Alan Quine has won it in overtime at 16 minutes of the second overtime period. Islanders two, Panthers one. Islanders lead the series three games to two. And somewhat of an unlikely hero, Howie. And Alan Quine, not that long ago in the American Hockey League, comes up to the National Hockey League at the end of the regular season. The Islanders are really looking for bodies. Heads back to Bridgeport, gets recalled to play in the playoffs. And now he's scored the biggest goal of his NHL career, maybe his professional career. An overtime, double overtime on a power play. A wicked shot over the glove of and Luongo didn't have a chance on that one, Brendan or Howie in this case. And uh, that was the end of that. And, and game five was over. You want to take a shot at who the other two uh, forwards were on the ice at, at that point? God, I was Ooh. just watching it. Was one Ryan Strom? No. Worse. Oh. It, it is a rag tag. This is like a say unit three Kuhlman's on the ice. Yeah, wow. he's probably this and at the front of the net. Kuhlman wow. and... Uh, and and the omnipresent Josh Bailey's the other one. So Bailey, Bailey Kuhlman, wow. Quine with Hickey and Zidlicky. And that's 
and that's wow. the unit it, that scores. It's giving and me Koivula Ko- was getting PP time yeah. the other <laughs> the other night. And this was the this was the second longest playoff game in Islander history at that point, um, next to wow. the Easter Epic, also in the book. wow. <laughs> so so like where were you when this goal was scored joe were you were you home were you yeah i was i was home I, I lived in brooklyn at the time so i was just at home you know watching it um and uh you know it's the type of type of moment i was still doing my thing on twitter at the time i was blog before i was fix and um I, I didn't really know how to do uh like gifts back then on my computer so i was like filming everything <laughs> off of my like tv screen and then editing it off my mm. phone and just trying to get out highlights and stuff like that. So it's pretty, you know, pretty involved. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, just, you know, it's one of those things where you're watching, you're watching and you just, and I had tickets to game six. I don't know if Mike did too, um, but I only lived, I lived four subway stops away from Barclays center. So it was incredibly convenient for me to go. And I had season tickets that year and uh, I ended up, you know, I was um, behind the net in the 200 section 215 for game six. And I just wanted to be there because if they were going to, finally win in advance in a playoff round. I wanted to be there. I had never seen an Islander handshake line mm. with them winning a playoff series. And I really right. wanted to be there. And that was only going to be possible if they won game five. So yeah, you want to obviously take a three, two lead in the series, but I wanted to be in the building for that potential moment as well. Yeah. I, I wasn't actually, I wasn't at game six. I, I, I didn't get to Barclays much. I was working nights at the time too. So like my schedule was all messed up. Um, but I, I remember walking out of where I was watching the game in the city, uh, from work and not really knowing how to react to the handshake line (laughs) and just being like, this is a totally foreign thing. And, and, and for John Tavares, it was to this day, his only one. Um, and while these other guys, the, the other, the other 10 guys on that roster from that are still with this team have, have, are just used to it at this point. Like Brock yeah. Nelson could tell you what what it's like to to shake how strong Sidney Crosby's handshake. Brock always got a good handshake because I've sh- shook it a bunch of times with a big smile on my face. Well, you know, Tavares <laughs> he only he only knows what Derek McKenzie's is like, which is crazy. Um, but this is uh yeah this this team that that building too like it it it's strange. Can I give you guys a, 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 um, a it's not a, it's not an exact example because the building shift is definitely different too because it's the year after the final year at the Coliseum, right? It's mm-hmm, you right. go from twenty fourteen, all that nostalgia um, mm. around that, and such a special like innocent climb type of team where the expectations right. were not yes. much. Boy, Chuck and Letty guys mm. are starting to come into their own a little bit, taking the next level. They were yeah. there that was the hundred and one point leagues. Season. The whole year in, you know, unfortunately lost that last game of the regular season no, and shootout otherwise would have had a game seven at the Coliseum, yeah. which is a shame. Mm. Um, but I'm a Mets fan and uh, growing up 17, 18 years old, I don't know how closely you guys follow baseball, but the 99 Mets were the first Met team to make the playoffs since 88. So really the first team making the playoffs for me as like a teenager and they won like 97 games and you know, put the Braves to the brink, the game six. The next year's team went to the Subway Series against the Yankees. But I always look more fondly of that 99 team. Just the right. players, the characters, the field of the season was just different. That first mm. type of feeling of success. And again, that innocent climb feel. And then the 2000 team was a little bit more, it just, even though they went further, it didn't feel the same. And I think the same way about these two seasons where, they got over, obviously over the hump in advance, but if, I, if you ask me which season was more special to me, it'll always be 2014-15. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. Regardless of how Tavares left. Like, even yeah. before that, it <laughs> no, just would have felt that way. Because it, 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 it almost feels like that that was a different version of him, too. Yeah. Like, the, the I guess the Coliseum version of him, and then uh, it was a little bit further away from, from what ended up happening, too. and. Uh, and he obviously scored some huge goals in that series, and he had that moment where, uh, at the end of Game Six, he was like pumping up the crowd after mm. after they won that crazy game with Kuhlman. And uh, but yeah, that that I think you 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 kind of nailed it, right? Like this this team feels different. Like you you're, you're basically saying, okay, there's no Lubov Viznowski, but hey, we got Marek Zidlitsky. <laughs> it's a very different. It's just like a different 
it's almost like they because of the building shift and the, the roster construction it didn't have that same identity to it that that's yeah. same kind of us against the world feel mm. to it which is yeah. funny too because like we've said a bunch of times like then 10 10 of these players end up sticking mm. around right and basically perfecting that ethos yeah well the the 2014-15 team like i said before like they played a great fun sort of breakneck style that was very like they were a lot of shots they really pushed play and and were one of the better teams in the nhl until the all-star break and kyle Poso got hurt and then they kind of tailed off a little bit and like joe said they they came one game from getting home ice advantage in the playoffs. So yeah, no, I agree with you that, that, that team I felt more fondly about than the 15, 16 team, which I don't know, felt like it was, it felt like a, a roller coaster that at any moment could have completely gone off the tracks, but here they are in game five and Alan Quine of all people wins this game. Very unlikely goal scorer here. So yeah, you think, I mean, these guys definitely didn't know who Alan Quine was uh, before that, that game and that series started. But uh, he got mobbed by his teammates. A lot of, a lot of long. I see a long-haired Matt Martin in there uh, hugging him, and that sets up Game Six, which was another double overtime game, uh, like we just said, and, and the Tavares game winner, and the game tying goal, and the game tying goal. I mean, you're in the yes. seat watching this, and you're going, "They're going to blow this opportunity." Yep. Like it's right. if it's not going to happen now, it's never going to happen. They're going to get shut <laughs> out. Right. They're going to lose one nothing on home ice with a chance to go <laughs> to the next round. To the Florida Panthers, and, and then he, you know, he jumps off. Tavares jumps off the bench, and he's the extra attacker there. And you know, it's a play. I don't, the two goals he scored, I've not. I don't think I've seen two goals like that since. Yeah, you right. know, where the puck yeah. is just sitting on the line, no one knows where it is except the best player on the ice on either <laughs> team, and he just literally touches it two inches to go over the line. It's just yeah. crazy. And that overtime goal against Luongo will live in infamy. That was also the year that uh, Yarmir Yager was in Florida and scored no points, if I remember correctly, yeah. in that yeah. series. So, um, well, the guy, and, and then, Yager was obviously there. Yager was obviously there the last time the Islanders had won a playoff series in yeah. 1993 <laughs> as well. And guys, I will tell you this, uh, this thing. I did not realize this until I started doing some research and looking at the box scores. Because I know you don't watch it often or watch it ever. And maybe you knocked it out of your brain. On that Tavares game-winning goal, you know, you know, Oposo plays it up to him, the shot, the rebound, the rack of wraparound. Alan Quine got the secondary assist. <laughs> the guy was everywhere. He was everywhere. everywhere. And it, that it's insane. This is well, we're gonna get to the eventual punchline after this next bit where we talk about the next series, which was against so the Islanders beat the Panthers, celebration. Howie Rose is going crazy. The guy his last year in his job finally gets to see the team uh he covers win a playoff series, Bedlam in Brooklyn, I, uh, you know, all kinds of craziness. Uh, but then the Islanders have a date with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And this was, again, before the Lightning won, won back-to-back cups. And, um, Joe, you talked about blowing opportunities. Let me tell – let's talk about this series against the Lightning. So <laughs> the Islanders win game one in Tampa. Shane Prince has two goals in that game. And if I'm not mistaken, Alan Quine had a couple of assists on those, didn't he? Or am I, Yeah, am he had a, a four-game point streak, I think. That's crazy in 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 the in the playoffs and yeah he um yeah he had two assists in that game. That's that's crazy and I mean crazier than than Shane Prince having two goals and they look very comfortable. So they lose game two. Okay, whatever. Hey, you got the split in the road. Start a series. Awesome. They come back to Barclays Center and in games three and four, the Islanders had leads with I believe under a minute to go or something along those lines. Blew both of those games. Lost them both in overtime. <laughs> Yeah, and I will never. This was where I think Jack Capuano lost me. I had been, you know, kind of a Cappy, not a hater, but not a lover either. This was where I was like, "This dude, this is not the dude." Like this is just, you know, playoff teams close these games out, and you know, it happens once. Okay, fine, but man, back to back games that was that was so I, I, game three. So they get the split right. They win game one. Quine yeah. had Quine had one. Um, he had one assist in game one. I'm just double checking here. I want to make sure I get my okay. Alan Quine back straight. I knew that was least. Um, but he actually did have an assist. He had a, a secondary assist on the only goal in game two. So that was the four game <laughs> point streak. But in game three, the Islanders actually had scratched Josh Bailey for game two, hmm. um, which now is happening again <laughs> all these years <laughs> later. And he scored the opening goal of that game in the first and then scored a, a goal in the third period as well. 
uh, which yep. um, which gave them the three which gave them the three two lead. They exchanged goals, and like you said, the Islanders are now up under a minute to go. And I remember the mm-hmm. theme after that game was that Capuano had kept like his scoring line on yes. against their top line for like yeah. the defensive zone faceoff that led to the Kucherov goal, and everyone was basically not understanding why that line would have been out at that at that juncture of the game. And and I think was it was it Boyle in the second one? Boyle scored on and, that. On and the first, I I mean it was Boyle in game three. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, and I remember thinking because that was the year that the the Rangers had basically started to just trade yeah. players to Tampa Bay, like or you know they would just find their way there. Boyle and uh, Callahan. Callahan, and just I I that Lightning team drove me nuts. Hugely unlikable series. team. Yeah, just. <laughs> Ryan Callahan. I remember Callahan getting into it a couple times with uh I can't remember who it was on the island. It might have been Sezikis, like a young Casey Sezikis and and then like yeah, Boyle just the celebration and the look on his face. I was I was there for three and four mm, in Brooklyn oof. and I feel like he celebrated right in front of me. Mm. Uh and like pointed at me basically. Ugh. And, and I just I ugh. And uh, just you know, game four, the the moment I remember in game four was the uh, was the Hickey hit on Druin. Yeah, yes. Which Hickey yeah. had uh, several of those throughout the course of his career. Um, hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, that one. You know, place was going nuts, and you said before Dan, right? They gave up another third period goal, and yeah. that was a quick one in overtime. That one was done done real quick. I feel like there was a hit. Yes. I feel like there was a hit that was like controversial, and there was like a no call, and then Garrison scored like a couple seconds afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say it was some defenseman and yeah, it was Jason Garrison. So it was, yeah, yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. I think there was, that was a curiously refereed uh, series and then, uh, but yeah, so, so now all of a sudden they went up, for, they went from being up one game to nothing to being down three games to two, three games to one. They go down to Tampa. They have like a no show performance season is over and the magical run is done, you know, after one series uh, and at the time, you know, this felt like a cool step, but now it, it is kind of a bittersweet memory to look back. But it looked like the team was poised for new things. Again, 101-point season, lost in the first round. 100-point season, lost in the second round. Like, things are moving. They're moving in the right direction. They come into the 16-17 season. And this is Alan Quine's main regular season with the Islanders, his longest season in the NHL. Uh, and he puts up... Uh, 61 games played, five goals, 13 assists in 16-17. Um, you know, not not good numbers, <laughs> but but certainly, uh, you know, could have been worse, I suppose. I I'll be honest. So this season was not good. Like this, they they missed the playoffs. This was the beginning of the uh John Tavares campaign to get him out of uh of Long Island from uh, every every corner of the NHL, and so. This was also a time when Alan Quine started to become an injury problem. And I'm going to just be blunt. This guy ended up getting hurt so often between this season and the next season that there were times when I forgot he was even on the team. And this is a guy who scored a huge goal this season, you know, in the playoffs earlier. And it was not long before I was like, oh, wait, who normally go in there? Oh, right. That's Alan Quine's spot. <laughs> I just completely <laughs> forgot about him. Um, I mean, do do any, I mean, I'll start with Joe. Like, do you, does does any play from this sixteen seventeen season stand out from you and being like, yep, that's Alan Quine right there? I mean, he only had eighteen points, so it wasn't a lot, but uh, there, there's I don't remember. Really I, there's really nothing that I can <laughs> that I I can. I mean, I went back and I, I watched some someone somebody did like a Alan Quine right. twenty sixteen seventeen highlight right. video uh, that I checked out, but there was nothing that came to mind. You know, he gets a two year mm. contract from the Islanders after yes. the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, he's still very young at this point. He's 23, 24 years old. And, you know, you're hoping that, uh, you know, he was playing top line and it's, yeah. uh, just in a, you know, if he could handle that stage, you know, maybe he can mm-hmm. do more than that. And remember, uh, transitional year for the Islanders, no more Oposo, no more Nielsen. They right. swapped them out for Andrew Ladd and Jason Kamara and Matt Martin. Gone. And he I did mean, have some chemistry with Ladd. Uh, if you go back and look at those mm-hmm. highlights, there were some goals where they hooked up for it. They were pretty cool. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, there's nothing that really stands out. But like you said, any kind of hope of any kind of stability, at least with the Islanders, kind of, you know, went out the door with, with, uh, with the injuries. And it wasn't too far. You know, he scored his last goal with the Islanders in 2016-2017. He didn't, he didn't uh, no goals and three assists in only 21 games the following year. And 
but he wouldn't be a weird Islander if he, if if he did more right. than that. So, <laughs> so here's where we get to the point where when we were uh, talking about this before we came on, I had I had messaged Mike. I'm like, hey, Joe's coming on. He's going to do Alan Quine. Mike's response was, I have no idea how many games played Alan Quine had with the Islanders, and whatever number you tell me. I'm going to find out when you send it to me because I don't know. And I'll be honest, I didn't know at the time either. And so we were just talking about this too. So uh, Mike, Mike, what what did you think it was before you saw what the number actually was? I thought it was going to be double this. Yeah. Um, what, what the number was, mm-hmm. which like basically two, two seasons worth of games, mm. uh, regular season games, I guess I should say, or maybe more mm. um, because it feels like that. Yeah. Because the journey like I said, like he was a, a first six round draft pick. He got talked a lot a, about a lot um, because of his draft status. And then when he came, he made a very immediate impact. So you don't, I completely lost the plot that he only played those last two games before he played the playoffs of that season. Um, hmm. I would exp- I thought he had played like, you know, a healthy, a healthy dose, like a, mm. you know, good, good 30 so, so games, like an Eric Bolton kind <laughs> of dose of games in that mm. season. But I was wrong. And <laughs> this number, this I was way off on the number. I knew I was going to be off because it's like this. Right. It feels, it felt like a lot more to me. Well, see, I went the opposite way. I thought it was way less. I thought it was going to be like maybe somewhere around 50, 60 games because he got hurt all the time. And that was what I kind of remembered. Joe, like, where did you... I mean, you saw the number, but like, were, were you surprised by the number of games he played for the Islanders in his career? I think he loomed larger in my head. So, right. so yeah, because uh, I, I, when you know, you have your your Excel sheet of all the uh, hmm. weird Islander candidates, and uh, yeah, he was not a name that I expected to be on there because you just you think of him in three separate years, but it's only two regular season right. games of that previous year in the playoff games, you know, don't count towards that. So it's like, you remember him in 2015, 16, you remember him in the next couple of years, but yeah, within that time frame, it's, hmm. you know, well, well short of a, well short of a hundred games. So yeah. Yeah. He just, so, he just, he just, he just, again, he was just one of these guys where you felt like, you know, could they get lucky here? You know, cause he had 20 hmm. plus gold potential in the AHL. Could, could there be something, something here where they get a, a top six there? I say type forward for nothing on the cheap. And, you know, it just did not materialize. No. So his final numbers as an Islander, 84 games. That's it. <laughs> Over the course of three seasons, 84 games against 61 in that 16-17 season, but two in the year before, but the year that included his crowning glory, that playoff run, and then, like Joe said, 20-something games the year, before, year after. Six goals, 16 assists, 22 points. That I is Alan Quine's. scored six goals. I know. It's like- insane. Yeah, <laughs> I, he he felt like someone who was scoring, you know, ten yeah. to fifteen. Right, this guy. He, we say this. We could say this about everybody that comes on the show, uh, or is the subject of the show. But he's got one of the most peculiar Islander, seriously, story arcs. Yeah, because he there was no character development. <laughs> then all of a sudden, he's the star of the show. Mm. It's it's like it's like if you you took the show Lost. And you just dropped a character that everybody was fell in love with for two episodes and then killed him off and then basically just never <laughs> talked about it again. That's what it feels like with him because standalone, it, it was an episode. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. That doesn't tie back into like the main plot either because right. the season kind of happened in a different alternate storyline <laughs> where with, with, with the, it was with Tavares and the buildings yeah. that he played in. Like, it's just, it was it's, a, a it flashback. Is a, it is a, yeah, it was also fast a, fo- flash forward and like flash sideways. <laughs> and, you know, all this other. I was going to say Thomas Grice, Thomas Grice playing nine twenty five in goal. It's I just, remember there being a, an episode of Lost that was like one episode of just this couple that no one ever spoke to again. Yeah, right. Yes, yeah, I can't remember the yeah. names, but I remember that was a that was a standalone. Right. But yeah, I, I was. Gonna yeah, say I mean, this what almost... other what other like playoff heroes? I think actually in the mm. clip of Harry Rose. Uh, and Butch, they talk about like they'll live forever in playoff lore, and it's true. I mean, he, he mm. will, he will, because yeah. that is that's this, that series was their first series win for an entire generation of fans. So he'll he'll yeah. always be. Remembered. It's crazy. It, it would be like if it would be like if Koivula ended up scoring yeah. a double overtime winner this yeah. season. Honestly, right? <laughs> I was gonna say it's almost like he, he's almost like a song with with this like face melting guitar solo right off the jump. 
And then it's just really kind of boring after that, you yeah, know. It's yeah. just like then it just ends, and then the song just stops. It's like, wait, what happened? Where, where'd the where'd that cool solo go? Bring that back. Um, but yeah, this is this that was it. Eighty four games, six goals, sixteen assists, twenty two points in three seasons for Alan Quine. But that one goal, that one moment, that pass from Marek Zidlitsky, and that one time or passed Roberto Luongo in double overtime in Sunrise, Florida. That's that's his legacy right there, and it's just we talk about guys, we talk about this all the time in the show. Like, does this guy know about his legacy? Because let's so let's just like we'll just machine gun through this this next section here. So by the time his contract is up, uh, Lou Lamarello is the GM of the Islanders, and he just doesn't resign. Him. Like he just kind of doesn't even give him a qualifying offer. He just lets him walk. So he ends up signing with Calgary. Uh, he ends up signing with uh, Edmonton a little while. He did play some regular season games with Calgary. Um, about 20 or so um, after the Islanders. But again, ma- mainly played in the AHL and Stockton. Uh, he was signed with Edmonton. He ended up playing a lot in Bakersfield. Uh, he then signed a bunch of AHL contracts with the Henderson Silver Knights, who were the Golden Knights uh, farm team. And then he's currently with the Ontario Reign, uh, the LA Kings farm team. But I don't think he has a Kings contract. I think he's on an AHL contract only. Oh, I forgot to mention that that Florida series netted the man a profile in the New York times by Alan Crater. <laughs> so it's like this guy shows up and he gets, you know, how many Islanders even have New York times profiles? I don't know, but Alan Quine is on the list. It's a little crazy. Um, and he's still playing again. He's still in the AHL. He's still playing, you know, he's still doing pretty well. Um, but this, this game is his legacy. And to get back to what I was saying before, I wonder if he understands like the gravity and the importance of that goal to Islanders fans given that it was, you know, whatever, six, seven years ago yeah. to think that, that that's the goal that colors comp- every single thing we know about Alan Quine is centered around. That's the sun to which it all revolves around. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and like we've been talking about because of, you know, the circumstances around uh, John Tavares, it's the happiest goal that you remember from that yep. period that you don't like if they had to do a montage at UBS arena of playoff right. goals, they may still, they probably not may, they absolutely will not include game six, but they, they may throw in game five. You don't have to worry about Jidlicky <laughs> and, and Hickey being there right. and Kuhlman and Bailey hugging them. Hmm. You know, that one is, that one is safe. That's the one yeah. you play. Yeah. They should do game three. That's the Hickey uh, one. I like that yeah. one. <laughs> the Hickey one is, that's a great celebration. The that's little a good, yeah, Super Mario Brothers celebration. Plus the big, yeah. the big part about that one is maybe it, this is not a good thing to say, but. I think people were just nervous, but it was really quiet in the arena. And you, yeah. if you see him coming down the slot and you could hear him on the highlight, go Brock. And Nelson mm. feeds him the, feeds him the pass and he puts it in um, against a uh, Hall of Fame goaltender. These big goals against us. So. Yeah. Uh. So there you go. Alan Quine in, in a nutshell. And it's this, we've been recording for 56 minutes and we spent probably about 45 of it talking about, one game <laughs> in yeah. one series in one playoff series. Uh, it's completely insane. And if someone wants to go back and look at that, those last few minutes, he, and maybe you did this, Dan, there was an, he has an opportunity right before the goal on the same, like 35 seconds. Yeah. It's a yeah. wide open net. The puck just jumps over his stick. Like yeah. he had like this yawning cage and this like awkward bounce that came to him on the deflection. Like, mm. He was going to be, it was like a final destination type stuff, but like with him being the hero, like one way or the other, this was going to work out for Alan Quinn. It's like, oh, you missed that be. one? Okay, now you're going to have to beat Luongo on a one-timer, right. you know, from, you know, how many feet out along the boards. It's crazy. It was just his time. So he made it into Islanders playoff lore, but he did not make it into New York Islanders A to Z by Joe Borough. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. so what's next for the book? I mean, we've been talking about the tour, but you really have been doing this book tour. You've been on a lot of Islanders podcast. Well, you, first of all, you, you have your own podcast. We should not forget about Eyes on Isles uh, that you do with Andy Francis. And yeah, I listen to it all the time. So you do that. Um, and you do obviously Isles Fix, which if everybody is not subscribed for, you should. It is an invaluable resource. I read it every morning. It's fantastic. You guys do so much work. I don't know how you do it, but I, I'm, pre- I'm appreciative of, of what you do because it's great. But uh, so what's next uh, on this tour? I don't know. I mean, like we're trying to uh, <laughs> I'm trying to get the uh, the book in the in the Isles Lab bookstore. Um, I've been talking oh, with right. the team about that. But there's, you know, things, you know, with retail and 
you know, how much you can, you know, sell it for and, you know, the bulk mm. orders from the self-publishing company and things like that we're working through. Um, you know, maybe I'll be able at one point to be at the arena and have maybe a table mm. or something like that. And if people want to buy it there in person, that'd be pretty cool. Um, mm. So I'm hopeful of maybe one more cool moment at, at, at UBS arena. The day that I did like the photo shoot mm. or the website and everything, Corey Wright set it all up. It was the first time I was back at the arena since the first ever game. And I got to be like in the dime club for the, like, the day. Like they gave me the pass and I'm looking around. That's awesome. Me and Joe were like, is everything free? We're like, so, <laughs> you know, and, and got to talk That's to cool. Brendan and Butch and, and Eric Hornig and got to go around and, and Greg Picker and, and Chris King and, and Shannon. And it was just a great experience. It's one of these things like in life where you picture how something is going to go for so long. And then the mm. actual event actually like exceeds your expectations. Um, so that's just been great. And the owners have been awesome um, around it. And um, today I got, this was like a wing and a prayer. I sent the book to the producer of the um, Ray Ferraro and Darren Drager podcast. Oh. And uh, he actually talked about the book at the very end of the podcast today. So that's awesome. Uh, that was awesome. That was a really that's cool amazing. One. That was like, eh, nothing's going to happen for this one, but he's in the book. I'd like to be able to get it to him. <laughs> And uh, it's been it's been really cool. So uh, we'll see. And then I'm sure you'll be hearing me promoting it a lot, uh, of course, come holiday time next year. And, um, mm. you know, I, I appreciate all the great feedback we've got of it. And again, I said this every time someone asks me, the real star of this is Joe Morasic. I'm a, I'm a, I think I'm a pretty decent writer and in writing about things that all happened in the past. But uh, this <laughs> book is not possible without his artwork. That really is just such a bright, yeah. colorful, fresh way uh, to kind of mm. reimagine and, and remember the Islanders. Uh, you know, history. It is, it is very cool. And you should follow Joe Morasic at graphics Joker on Twitter. Uh, if you haven't already, he's a, he's a very vocal Islanders fan out there. So you should check <laughs> it out there. At, yeah. The work is, is fantastic. Have any of the players like, have you sent them? Cause a lot of them have little kids. Like I don't know. Yeah, they really you know, be into this sort of thing. Andrews Lee's the only active player in the book. So that was a, uh, a kind of a decision we came to with the Islanders around like active players. Mm. And I'm so glad they pushed us in that direction because again, so much changed and you don't know how things can go from one year to the next. Yeah. And a great book comes out and someone gets traded or leaves in free agency. And, <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like, I don't want to look at this page or, or look at the book. Right. So we really focus mostly on, you know, past, Islanders and alumni, but Anders being a captain, um, yeah. uh, we felt like, you know, and the team was cool with him being the only active player on there. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know any feedback from the players to this point. I'd love to figure it out how to do it. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll see how I can get it in their hands. They don't got to do anything with it. It'd just be cool to know that it's somewhere within yeah. their, in their houses in yeah. Garden City at some point. I think yeah. they'd really like it. Yeah. yeah. And, and where can people buy it again? So you can either go to store.bookbaby.com and search on a search uh, for New York Islanders A to Z there or go to at Isles Fix on Twitter and uh, you'll mm. find the link in our bio. So there you go. Check it out. Oh, and I forgot to mention off the top, by the way, my condolences on Fordham basketball. Ooh. Just barely missing the NCAA tournament. I was, my, my wife is also an alum. It would have been very cool. Unfortunately, it was not meant to be. Of course, my my alma mater, St. John's, is a total dumpster fire. So, <laughs> you guys had that. You know, my <laughs> yeah, my father in law is a Columbia grad who's had season ticket hold season tickets for St. John's for twenty five years. Um, so oh. he's adopted them for some reason. Yeah, it was mm. a great season. Uh, very surreal to see even like Fordham playing a somewhat meaningful game. Um, right, <laughs> and uh, it was uh, and, and talked about in any kind of lore. We'll see whether or not they can back it up. They ended up uh, signing the, the coach to an extension, so the fact that he's going to stick around is one positive, but one big step there this year. Go. Yeah, that is pretty cool, and it is cool to see them in the limelight. Uh, Michael Eboff, any final thoughts on Alan Quine and the goal of a lifetime? Basically, oh, I, we forgot to mention the most important thing. This what? is still Alan Quine's only NHL playoff goal. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> I think it's going to no stay that way. Ones. I think so. Yeah. You're probably right. No, I think uh I think we did a pretty good job and there's a I do think it's uh you know, when the uh the main character of the season his career ends, um I'll be able to kind of revisit this thing as long as said character doesn't go off and do something that I won't even say. <laughs> um and I think then I can start to have some closure and appreciate what happened in twenty fifteen, sixteen. And Alan Quine, uh, mm -hmm. a lot more. But uh, until then, it's just 
hearing your voice, strange. Mike, and hear you talk about said player or avoid talking about said player is 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 a reason why said player is is not in the book. <laughs> <laughs> it was a drawing. It was a drawing of that that Joe did, which is an awesome drawing from like the game sure three, game winner from Washington. Um, that mm-hmm. uh, again, it'll it'll remain unseen. Yeah, I think that's for the best. uh, (laughs) Yes, I think that that was a smart move. So if you were on the fence about the book, I don't know if I want to get it. Maybe you know who's in there. It's safe. It's all clear. Yeah. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, very much. Uh, Michael Leboff, where can everybody find you on Twitter? Uh, The Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at The Big Lebowski. Read his work and listen to his work at Action Network. Follow Joe. You're still at Isles Fix, right? At Isles Fix is probably the one. Uh, if you want to hear about Mets baseball and Edwin Diaz at Jay Bono NYI, if you want to hear about the Islanders at Isles Fix. <laughs> there, there you go. And sign up for Isles Fix. Honestly, it's fantastic. Uh, listen to Isles on Isles podcast. Read Lighthouse Hockey every single day. And uh, we will be back next time with another special guest and another weird Islander. And uh, until then, keep the Islanders weird. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.